You are listening to weekly messages from Austin Christian Fellowship. For more information about ACF, visit acfellowship.org. I can't watch that. Um, do we just want to celebrate that one more time with you guys? Last week we had a baptism, and I think six or seven were spontaneous, which is so much fun. But everybody that spoke, everybody that was partook, was just humbling. And uh, that's what churches get to celebrate. That's life change. And we're in the business of life change. So yay, God. How you guys doing? Everybody well this morning? Good morning. My name is Will Davis Jr. and I have the pleasure of serving here as senior pastor. I wanna greet all of you guys online, especially and say thanks for joining in. Thank you for you guys here in the house today on a cold Sunday morning. Blue bonnets are four weeks out. How good is that? I mean, when February gets here, and it's a short month as it is, the spring is coming, friends, so I can't, it's my favorite time of year right here, so. Um, if you need to connect with us at any point during this service, if you will text the phrase ACF Connect to 512-866-9908, 512-866-9908, you'll get a link back and we'd love to connect with you. I say this a lot, this is no time to be without a church. Everybody needs a church. Right. Whether you believe or not, you still need a church. Right. You need the community. We'd love to be yours. So you guys online can reach out during the... Uh, chat today and during this session as well, and we just want you to know how much we love you and how proud we are to be part of this community, how proud I am of this church and what we're doing. And I forgot my backpack today. Can you believe it? What a loser pastor. I forgot my backpack. I know. What am I going to do? I guess I'll talk about tithing. What would you say, smarty pants? Are you ready? Apparently, I'm not, Barry. Thanks. That's great. You know, we can rebaptize you if we need to, buddy. We can... I'm not sure that took. Yeah, I'm not ready, apparently. So, um, derp. Um, I, if you want to receive, let me put my email up. You're going to want to use this this week, especially you guys online. Um, I've done extended notes on this message that are available online. If you'll email seniorpastor at acfellowship.org. Uh, but also, we're going to do something at the end of this service that you're going to want to have access to if you're online right now. And so you'll, can, you can email us as well and we'll tell you how to do that and why here in a few minutes. Let me pray. Thank you, Lord, for the day. Thank you for the beauty of this time of year and for your favor. Thank you for the baptism last weekend and the power of life change, men, women, boys, and girls following you. Uh, thank you for w walking us through a really challenging season in our city, in our country, and doing so with such grace on our lives. I pray for strength, I pray for humility, I pray for focus, and I pray for great joy for all of us in this time. And we pray it in the name of Jesus, amen. So if you're new to ACF, the reason I'm carrying a backpack is we're doing a series called Are You Ready? And obviously I'm not. Um, and we're really talking about how to be prepared for storms and for wildernesses. And the backpack symbolizes what you take in your pack if you're gonna be kind of in a reduced posture for a while. And when I first teed this series up, I was thinking more of perhaps a national wilderness time where there might be a recession or a series of natural disasters like we've had around us in the last several weeks and months, a political upheaval, who knows. But even since I stood on this stage two weeks ago, some of you have entered into wildernesses. And some people very dear to me have entered into wildernesses. And it doesn't have to be corporate, it can be personal. But the point is, are you ready? When life gets, when life, when you get that phone call and life takes that weird turn, 
you need to be prepared. And so the goal of the series is to prepare us to thrive, not survive, but to thrive spiritually, even in difficult days. To, because with the, the power of God's word, the power of God's Holy Spirit, we can. Curiously, this really has become a series about the scriptures. Um, as I've just looked at the topics, it all, it's all kind of coming back to this. If, if you've got one of these and it's open regularly, you're, you're set. You need community, you need some other things, but this is, this is so much of what you need. And I will continue that theme a bit today. I'm, I'm just, don't answer these questions, but um, I just want you to think about this. How many of you own a Bible? Don't raise your hands. Uh, you can just say smartphone is fine. I don't use one on a smartphone, but a Bible that you read on a regular basis, like at least three or four times a week, that would be more regular. And I just wonder how much you, how many of you have spent time this week in the Bible? What's your relationship to this book? Because as you're gonna see, this is your guide in the times of storm. This is both an offensive and defensive weapon, Ephesians 6 says. And the relationship you have to these words is real critical in times of thriving, but also times of challenge. So let me read you a passage of scripture from the book of Deuteronomy. Israel had, the nation of Israel has completed a 40-year wandering time because they didn't believe the word of the Lord, didn't go in to take the nation of Israel, wandered, and so God said, I'll let this generation die out and we'll go in again in 40 years. And they're about to take possession of the land and Moses is reviewing for them what they've been through so they go in and take the land and not have to do it again. The eighth chapter of Deuteronomy, the first three verses says, all the commandments that I am commanding you today you shall be careful to do so that you may live and increase and go in and take possession of the land which the Lord swore to give to your forefathers. And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years in order to humble you, putting you to the test, to, mo to know what was in your heart, whether you keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you go hungry and fed you a manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, in order that, to make you understand that man shall not live by bread alone, but, by, but he shall live, man shall live by everything that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. Uh, that has been a passage I've gone back to in my life countless times when I know I'm going into or coming out of or in the midst of a wilderness. Because it kind of puts the wilderness in perspective. God's not absent from the wilderness. God's not absent when things get hard. He's right in the middle of it. But there's nothing, Oswald Chambers says, there's nothing that ever touches your life that isn't allowed by the hand of God. And that's hard because some things that touch our lives are hard. But he's not, not in control. So if, if I'm dealing with the wilderness, God's allowed it. This passage here gives you some reasoning behind it. A little bit of perspective that maybe these are some things the Lord would like to accomplish while this is going on. Um, if you're unemployed, if you're going through a family conflict, if you're dealing with a chronic illness, if you're battling depression, if it's just a hard season, personally, relationally, maybe there's 
uh, there's a mentor of mine in this room today. He used to always say, if you bump into a wall, look for mirrors. The wall's not about them. The wall's about you. And there's probably a big mirror on that wall that's saying, hey, what can you learn from this? What is God doing in you, Will? Forget everything else. What do you need to learn from this? That's the wilderness. It, it allows you to grow. So the wilderness is a time of humbling. Isn't that, aren't you happy? This Humbling. Isn't that great? Let's all get humbled together. Um, they had come out of Egypt loaded with goods. They plundered the Egyptians on their way out because they would need to build a tabernacle later on. And the way God provided for the tabernacle with a nation of former slaves who owned nothing is they basically plundered the Egyptians. And it, it wasn't an act of war. It's like, I'm so sorry about your firstborn. Can I have that lamp? And they would take, they would take the lamps. And the seal skin, proper skin rugs, and the, all the stuff from the Egyptians. They just walked out with all this wealth. But they got out there and it got hard. They're like, we were better off in Egypt. We were better off being slaves. And God's like, I think it's time for some humility. I think it's time for you to remember where your hope lies. So wildernesses have this really amazing knack for putting us, us in perspective for ourselves. When I get to thinking I'm all that and, you know, look out for me and yay me and, you know, look whatever, start feeling about, you know, thinking higher of myself than I should as the scriptures talk about. The great solution to that is a little wilderness. When I get reminded that he's God and I'm not, and if I humble myself in the sight of the Lord, he will exalt me. But if I exalt myself, he will humble me. There are not any celebrities in the kingdom but one. And God doesn't do competition well. He doesn't need to compete. He doesn't need to have an election every year on who's going to be God. So the humbling is the stripping away of those things we might rely on that might make us independent of God or thinking we're bigger than we are. It's just a, it's just a gentle action of God to have us be reminded that he is God in heaven. Here we, on earth, here we are on earth in Ecclesiastes. Let my words be few. Because he's God. It says, I led you in the wilderness to humble you. It's also a time of testing. To see what's in your heart, the scripture says. Um, if you're in the wilderness time and you go on strike from God, what does that say about you? Can you receive from the Lord that which is hard as well as that which is good? Job said that. I'm not gonna just take from my father the things that are good. If he chooses to give me the things that are hard, I'll take those too because he's still God and he's still good. So sometimes we wind up in the wilderness or that God will see us in the wilderness and say, let me use this to, to really see how true we are to him. When God asked Abraham to put his son Isaac on an altar and kill him, which he didn't have him do, he was basically saying, Abraham, are you willing to be as committed to me as people all around you are committed to their gods? Because they do that all the time. And the other religions, they offer their children. Are you willing to die enough for me the way other people are for their gods? And sometimes the wilderness is a great time to answer that question. Where's your heart really? 
Will I not receive from the Lord that which is hard along with that which is good? Or if he gives me that which is hard, am I going to pout and throw a tantrum and go on strike because God didn't meet my requirements today? Or am I going to walk with him even when it's hard? I have a friend, um, former ACFer, who's walking through an absolutely brutal season. One of the hardest things I've seen in, in a long time in a person's life. And she has done it with so much poise and faith. Like every time her phone rings with the hard, hard thing on the other side, all she does is worship more. She's, she's, not gonna, she's not gonna go on strike because her season has come of a wilderness time. She's not gonna throw an angry fist at God and say, you know what, God, forget this. If you're not gonna get me better than this, I'm out. She's, she's a worshiper of Jesus in what has been, no doubt, the hardest period of her life. He, she's passing the test, friends, big time. I've been so amazed by her and by her faith. So when you're in the wilderness, sometimes God wants to know what you got. Are you gonna receive from him just the good or are you willing to receive from him the hard as well? It's that wedding thing we say, in sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer. Can you say that to the Lord? In sickness and in health, God, for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse, I will stay true to you. That's why God allows the wilderness. But the final reason, and the one I'm most intrigued about today, is called teaching. There are lessons to be learned in the wilderness, and the best lesson is, let me put it back up on the screen, in order to make you understand that man shall not live by bread alone, the physical sustenance, but over and above that, juxtaposed to that, shall, man shall live on everything that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. Friends, in our day and age, this represents the mouth of the Lord. This represents the latest thing God has said to us through his son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Now, he will say things today, but they're always consistent with this. There's no, not gonna be new truth out there. Not gonna be updated revelation. Whatever he reveals and teaches and illuminates is gonna be consistent with this. This has got a period on the end of it, and this is where God's revelation ends. He will illuminate this, but there's not new truth out there. So if you wanna know the best way to figure out what God is about, what he's doing, what his heart is like, and what he's speaking, this is the place to find it just in his word. And the, the lesson God wants to teach in the wilderness is, look, we spend so much time pursuing bread alone. Really, really nice bread. And bread alone means provision of any kind, financial provision, material provision, a house over our, roof over our heads, a car to drive, educational opportunities, financial security, all that stuff, nothing wrong with it. But the scriptures teach, the wilderness shows you there's more going on. You can't, you can have a lot of bread and your soul can still be dying. You can have a lot of bread and still be struggling. So the wilderness says, look, there's more to it. You're supposed to, what you need more than just physical food is spiritual food. And for some of us, the only key, the only difference for us thriving or not thriving in the wilderness is our intake of spiritual food. That's the only difference. We've all got bread for the most part. But some people thrive and some people struggle in the wilderness because some people have a really healthy discipline 
of how to read the Word of God, how to pray the Word of God, how to hear the Word of God, and some don't. And, and so your soul starts getting really, really weary after two, three, four weeks or months or whatever in a, in a challenging season, and it's not being fed. Your body's doing great because you're eating really well, but your spirit is dying because you're not feeding on everything that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And that's the key to the wilderness. So he puts us there to humble us, to test us, and to teach us. Um, I read a, a stat this week that Bible reading in 2020 went up, or 2021 went up like 82% in America, which makes me really happy. People are in the, in the wilderness, pandemic, going, oh, I might need some, something else besides food here. Now, it wasn't that great a statistic because it basically said, the survey said, did you open your Bible more than once in the last month? Which, okay, whatever. But let's take a win when it's a win, okay? People are hungry. We've seen it uptick here and online. I think because people are hungry. We're not getting the answers we need. So people are hungry. Good, that's good, yay. So again, I've talked to you a lot about prevailing and not just surviving this difficult time. Let me tell you two, key wilderness, two keys to wilderness prevailing. They go hand in hand. One is the Holy Spirit, one is God's word. They work together. I taught about, in this series, the Holy Spirit, and I've taught about God's word. They work together. Basically, when you read God's word, when you meditate on God's word, when you sing God's word, or when you write God's word, the Holy Spirit will use those words, illuminate them to show you light, to show you where truth lies. It's Genesis 1-3. I think Genesis 1-3 is one of the first prayers prayed in scripture. Let there be light. Let there be illumination. Let there be awareness. Let there be understanding. And when you open the scriptures, the Holy Spirit will work through the scriptures to give you light, to give you illumination, to give you understanding, to give you direction, to give you hope. It's an amazing one-two punch. They're, they're amazing partners, God's word and the Holy Spirit. The scriptures say God's word is living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword, and God will use that wonderful tool to grow and encourage and give you strength and hope and perspective, even in difficult days. So it's such a wonderful, powerful tool. And you gotta have both together, the Holy Spirit and God's word. Together they do amazing things. He's doing amazing things even in this moment, online in this room, through his word. Some of you are having revelation right now. I had some this morning as I got up and read, read the scripture. And the Holy Spirit illuminated some things for me that I needed to see. There's such a great team. The Holy Spirit and God's word. And I mean, friends, when you, are, when you can hardly draw your next breath, the Lord will use the truth of his word to comfort your spirit and strengthen your soul. And I put a lot of scriptures in the notes this week that you can get online from emailing me about how God does that through his word. Specifically, here's a statement you might want to capture. Specifically, the Holy Spirit works through God's word to strengthen, to encourage, and to sustain you in wilderness times. The Holy Spirit will use the word of God as you make yourself available to it. And I could list 10 more things that he'll do, but he'll strengthen you, he'll encourage you, he'll sustain you in wilderness times. And I could use some of that. How about you?
So a reminder of some scriptures we shared before, Psalm 119, verse 105. I was joking with one of you guys this week online. Somebody's trying to memorize some passages, and I said, why don't you memorize a few chapters? And because I've memorized in my life, I don't know, Psalm 51, Romans 6, Psalm 32, Ephesians, almost the whole book of Ephesians at a time. I can't do it now. So I was joking with this person. I said, how about Psalm 119? It's the longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses. But what a great one. Listen to this, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Remember when you're in the wilderness at night and you need a headlamp so you can see where you're going? God's word, said David, who was out as a shepherd at night with a torch, God's word keeps me from falling off the cliff. God's word keeps me on the path because on both sides of me is trouble. But God's word will illuminate my path so I won't fall into trouble. That was a shepherd saying that. God's God's word is my lamp. God is my shepherd, David said. I have no wants. He's out there in the woods with the sheep and he's going, I'm their shepherd. They've got it made. God's my shepherd. He's looking up the stars going, yeah, that's my shepherd. I've got, I don't need anything. God's word is my lamp and light to my path. David said, how should a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to his word. Isn't that great? God, this is such a great resource. In John 6, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He's just fed the crowd and he pulls up the image of manna. That six day a week, 40, day, 40 year miracle of provision from heaven, manna. Manna means, what is that? Because the first time it fell, the, Egypt, the people said, what is that? That's what manna means. The joke is they had banana bread, manna souffles, manna pancakes. How, how old would manna get for 40 years, right? Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. I'm the manna. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. This bread, Jesus, this bread that comes down from heaven so that anyone who eats from it will not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats from this bread, he will live forever. And the bread which I give him for life um, is is life for the world is also my flesh. Feed on me, Jesus said. Graze off of what I say. My words, Jesus said, the flesh accomplishes nothing, said it in John 6, but my words give you spirit and they give you life. So I hope you're understanding there's, a, there's, a, there's more to just eating, friends. You have to dine your soul well if you're gonna prevail. Amos talked about a famine for the hearing of the word of the Lord. Not a famine of provision, but a famine of spiritual drought that caused the young men to stagger and the young women to faint because their spirits were so dry. Because there were no prophets no one's listening. Some of you are having a famine in your soul right now just simply because there's a source right there, living water you can drink from and you haven't been partaking and your soul's really dry. Some of you may be doubting even if you're a Christian right now because your soul feels so dry. And if you'll let this thing pour over you, where this river goes, where this river flows, there's greenery everywhere. Wherever this river flows, it's green, okay? 
So I want to talk to you as I conclude about feeding on God's word. One of the things that the Lord has really convicted me about is the, the amount of Bibles that I have and the amount of scripture available to us as a culture and yet the significance of biblical illiteracy in our culture. Not just through print media, but now through the internet and electronics and all the things that we have, you have more opportunities to consume the word of God in different formats and flavors and styles from dramatized to read to sung to, to visualized, I mean the whole thing. There's a movie, the Gospel of John is a movie that it's just every word of the Gospel of John acted out. And we got more access to Bibles and I've got, I've had for years, because I, I read a lot of Bibles. I'll take the Bibles, read them and get a new one, just like to keep that going. And I keep them, they're sitting on my shelf and I've got more Bibles on my shelf than some people have ever seen in a lifetime. I've got a group going down to Nicaragua on Tuesday and there's not a lot of Bible provision down there because it's so poor. You're going to eat or you're going to buy a Bible? There's some places where it's illegal to have a Bible. And so they have to be really wise and shrewd about getting the word of God because they still need the feeding. So I've gotten really convicted of late and started taking an action, which I'll tell you about in a minute, to try to remind myself how valuable the word of God is to me and how powerful it is, how powerful one page can be. But first, I want you to hear from a pastor named Wayne Cordero. He has a tough assignment. He pastors in Hawaii. And um, I want you to hear what he talks about in visiting some believers in a persecuted country. Check this out. Let me finish with this uh, story. We go to China from time to time, and, and uh, uh, we train leaders. And this time, we brought up 22 leaders from the Hunan province, and they rode 13 hours on a train to get to a hotel that they came up two by two in these elevators as, so as to not draw any attention. And then they got to a hotel room, a little apartment uh, room. It's only about 700 square feet in the little living room, no air conditioning, hardwood floor, 22 sat there. I came in and when you teach in China, you start at eight in the morning and you don't get done till five at night. You teach the whole day. They were sitting there, all 22 of them, and I looked around and I said, now, if we get caught, what will happen to me? They said, oh, you'll get deported in 24 hours and we'll go to prison for three years. I said, you're kidding. How many of you have been in prison for your faith? Out of 22, 18 raised their hands. I thought, no way. I looked at them and I said, you, you 22 people, how many people do you oversee? Because they were all of these small group leaders, underground church leaders in the Hunan province. I said, how many, if you counted up all the people under your jurisdiction, how many would it be? And they counted them up and they said, little over 20 million. I said, what? See, we forget there's 1.3 billion people in China. This is crazy. Well. I had 15 Bibles and I passed them out. Obviously, seven didn't get them. And I said, let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 1 and we're going to read it. And just then, one lady handed hers to somebody next to her. And I thought, hmm, interesting. Well, we turned there anyway. And as we started reading it, I understood why she gave it away. She had memorized the whole thing. She just recited the whole chapter. When it was done, I went over to her at a break and I said, you... You, you recited the whole chapter. She says, oh, yes, I've memorized many chapters. 
said, where did you memorize so many chapters? She said, in prison. She said, you have much time in prison. <laughs> so I said, but don't they confiscate the Bible? And she said, yes. So people bring in scriptures written on pieces of paper, and they bring it in. So I said, but then if they find that piece of paper on you, won't they confiscate that? She said, oh, yes, that's why you memorize it as fast as you can. Because <laughs> even though they can take the paper away, they can't take what's hidden in your heart. I thought, wow. Well, after three days, you fall in love with these people. And when it was done, I said, how can I pray for you? I'm going to go back to America. You guys have been just so wonderful. How can I pray for you? They said, you know, Wayne, you guys can gather like this whenever you want to in America. We can't. Could you pray that one day we'll be just like you? And I looked at him and I said, I will not do that. Big, incredulous eyes looked at me and they said, why? <laughs> I said, because you guys rode a train for 13 hours to get here. In my country, if you've got to drive more than an hour, people don't come. You sat on a wooden floor for three days. In my country, if people have to sit more than 40 minutes, they leave. You sat not only here for three days on a hard wooden floor, but you did it without air conditioning. In my country, if it's not padded pews and air conditioning, people don't often come back. In my country, we have an average of two Bibles per family. We don't read any of them. You hardly have any Bibles, and you memorize them from pieces of paper. I will not pray that we become like, uh, you become like us, but I will pray that we become just like you. Uh, uh. So, I did this years ago, and, and I've been doing it a lot recently. I've been tearing pages out of my Bible. But there are pages that I've read and marked on. And I've written a letter about why I'm doing this, and I'm starting to send it to people around the country. Sending it to people that are not believers, send it to some who are. Because I believe we need to be reminded how valuable the Word of God is. And one page, I also believe one page can change your life. Just one page. So I keep him in my car with a letter and I talked to a guy the other day and he was really struggling. I said, hey, this is for you. And I don't know what, I don't know what the pages are. I just hand them out and trust that it's gonna say something meaningful to them. Because it spoke to me. I don't pull out any pages that I haven't marked on. So every page I pulled out has at some point been part of my quiet time and I've marked it going, that's so good. And I pulled them out and I've been giving them away. As a reminder that we have a prolificity of scriptures. I don't know if prolificity is a word, but it sounds awesome. So we're going to go with that. We have a lot of scripture, okay? And um, we shouldn't take it for granted. Candy was up here singing, saying, I don't want to take it for granted that we can do this, you know. So, ushers, will you come forward? We're gonna pass our legendary grace gift bowls here at Austin Christian Fellowship. And in the bowl is a hundreds of pages of these. 
from my Bibles that I've read at some point over the years. At some point, the page you're gonna receive was what God used to speak to my soul at some point in the last several years. And I, want you to, I don't want you to like sift through and find the one you like, okay? If you get revelation, you get revelation, okay? <laughs> or Deuteronomy. Um, but I will tell you that there's a word for you on every page. There's a word for you. I'm sure of it. And for the next several weeks and months, I'll be hearing from you saying, you won't believe what page I got. Now, um, if you want to grab some for your kids, maybe they're in camp fun or student ministry later, I mean, you can, but don't, don't cheat. Just, it's got to be random or it doesn't work. I mean, you pick out three and you don't look at them and you give them to your kids later and you don't look, okay? But I want you to think about those friends in China who hide it in their heart. My wife had a head-on collision on 2222 several years ago. It was a really bad wreck. And she had been reading that morning in Deuteronomy, you're the head and not the tail. You will lend to many nations and borrow from none. Promise to the nation of Israel in obedience. And she walked across 2022 to sit down below the cliffs there above Bull Creek and the county line. She was saying out loud, you're the head and not the tail. You're the head and not the tail. If that's not in you, you can't do that. So friends, what if your Bible supply was cut off? And this is all you have. Let's pass the bowls and um, you take one or two and um, I'll wrap this up in just a minute.